Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. When we get freedom, and I love when Mike Connell comes, it's, there's going to be a move of God and power is going to be released and freedom is going to be released and you'll get set free in a moment. That will happen. However, it's our jobs to know what to do to maintain the freedom that we have access to. So if we get set free in a moment, what do we do next? When we walk back out into that crazy world out there, how do we maintain the freedom that we accessed in a moment with God? Because we can continue to access it. Actually, Pastor Mike Connell teaches that once you're set free, you actually know how to get yourself set free. And so once you get set free, we can go on that journey and make sure that we don't get back stuck in the same spot where we started. And here's the thing about freedom. How many of you know it's not free? <laughs> Ironically, freedom isn't free. So it's actually gonna cost us something. It's gonna cost us something. For some of us, just an example, it's gonna cost us our stinking thinking. For some of us, it's gonna cost us our language preferences. For some of us, it's gonna cost us some relationships. I know firsthand I had to lose some relationships that were not benefiting me when I first got saved and committed my life to Jesus. There were some relationships that were gonna hold me back from that, so it cost me some relationships. It's gonna cost you your offenses. You're gonna to have to leave your offenses. Leave it there, leave it to God. For some of us, it's gonna cost you your scrolling on your phone. That's a word. <laughs> For some of us, it's gonna cost us our A-type personality and being controlling all the time. And for some of us, it's gonna cost us laziness. For some of us, you know, Jesus died on the cross to set us free. He didn't die on the cross to make us lazy. Jesus died on the cross to set us free. And then what we do with that is our responsibility. Most Christians don't like the R word. Most Christians don't like the bad words that start with letters, but mostly the R word, responsibility. Most Christians are afraid to take responsibility because it's God's job to do that. Yes, God is powerful. He is all-powerful. Miracles can happen in a moment. You can be set free in a moment. But then after that, if, you, if, if literally my husband and I have been set free from the curse of divorce over our family, we've been set free from that. But then if we go around not working on our marriage and we go around fighting and arguing with each other all the time, if we go around calling each other names, if we don't spend any quality time together, then hey, that curse is still going to stay. We're going to invite that curse back in if we don't do the right things, because oftentimes when we get set free, we start thinking, what can I not do now? So I've been set free from this addiction. Now I, I don't do that anymore. And probably you don't do those things anymore. However, it's more important to focus in on what you do do. It's more important to say, okay, I've been set free from that. And now what am I going to do to be proactive to maintain the freedom that I've gained? Amen. All right, let's start with this Bible scripture, Matthew 12, 43. This is the premise of the whole message. So if you're going to hear anything in this message, listen up. Matthew 12, 43. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, which it will, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. If you're taking notes, it finds the house unoccupied swept clean and put in order. Sounds pretty nice. 
oh, no, no, no. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits. So you, were, you had one, and now you're potentially about to have eight. Oh, no. Seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go and they live in there. Ew. Nobody wants that. But there's good news. There's good news. When the impure spirit leaves, it can come back. But the good news today is that God empowers us to live free from the torment that the, de- that the demonic plans of the enemy has for us. God intends for us to be set free from these things. God intends for us to be living a life that is full of love, peace, joy, hope, the fruit of the spirit. God in- doesn't intend us to sit around having issues all the time and trying to figure out what the heck. No, we want to get those things broken off through the power of Jesus. And so the title of this message this morning is, What is the State of Your House? And this is a question that we all consistently need to be asking ourselves. Because of the world we live in, the things we encounter, the things we hear, the things that are on social media, the things that accidentally we even encounter. This is a a constant question that we need to be asking ourselves. What is the state of your house? And the point, the first point is, is it unoccupied versus occupied by the Holy Spirit? So when those demons are set free, when you're set free from an addiction, when you're set free from a mindset, when you're set free from depression, when you're set free from anxiety, what do you occupy that space with? And it's the things that we do, the atmospheres we put ourselves in that make that the determining factor. Because what we do after we get set free will determine the trajectory of our lives after. And whether or not we will allow those seven, eight spirits to come back and torment us again in that same area. When I first came to Awaken, my whole life turned upside down. (laughs) But I got saved and I was kind of like raised Catholic, but not like so interesting. I went to Catholic church all the time, but I never did first communion. So like I couldn't do communion. So when everyone would go up to take communion, I had to sit there and feel like a fool and it was very embarrassing. Um, and so when, when I first got saved, I was like overwhelmed with everything. Like I was like obsessed and overwhelmed with God's love. And I just wanted God's plan for my life. I just knew what I was doing wasn't working and I wanted it to work. I wanted my life to work. And so I literally came to everything. I think our church was like 50 people at that point, and I just would be at church all the time. And then I would just serve. Like, I got asked to decorate the bathrooms at the Boys and Girls Club, and they were disgusting and smelly, and I didn't even care. I just was like, I just want to be occupied by the things of God. And I'm telling you, it's doing those things and less of, like, the, the things you don't want to do, put, put ourselves in these atmospheres that are not good for us. I didn't even want to do that as much because I was so busy doing all the things for God. I was so busy going, oh, what's on tonight? I'm going to be at church 17 times this week. Yay! But I have to tell you, it was, it was in those moments where, like, my, four of my best friends came to me at the time and said, pretty much we don't want to be friends with you anymore because we don't do the same things that we used to do anymore together, and you're not, like, that cool anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I really like church, so I'll be at church. Um, but it cost me. It cost me because I knew I had to occupy my heart. I had to occupy my time. And the best thing we can do is occupy our hearts with the Holy Spirit. 
because I don't want you to hear me say, oh, I got set free, now I just have to be at church all the time. No, that is not what I'm saying. But it's because of the atmosphere that is cultivated when you're around godly people, when you're around faith, when you're around the right things, when you're around the word of God that is going to help cultivate the Holy Spirit in your life. And so that is what we wanna be drawn to. We don't wanna just be drawn to a, hey, I checked the church, went to church on a Sunday, now my life is awesome, because that's gonna get you back to where you started. It's having a craving for the Holy Spirit. And since day one that I've been at this church, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, this is a Holy Spirit church. They said, this is a Holy Spirit church. We're not gonna pretend like the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. We're not gonna be shy away from the Holy Spirit. We are going to invite the Holy Spirit, not only invite, but we're gonna let the Holy Spirit lead this movement and lead this church and lead the prayer meetings. You know, like this is a Holy Spirit-filled church. And when you and I are occupied and our hearts are occupied by the Holy Spirit, that is when those little pesky demons are trying to come back and they see, oh, Holy Spirit's there, can't go back. We need to be occupied by the Holy Spirit. Occupied by the Holy Spirit. I love the story of Daniel. And this was a young man in... in um, like five, 600 years before Christ came back. Young man, he was um, one of the children of Israel and they got taken in, into captivity by the Babylonian kingdom. And so, you know what happened is pretty much children of Israel weren't behaving, behaving themselves and doing the things that God told them to do and they were misbehaving and sinning. And so literally God just said, okay, fine then, you, I'm gonna let you be released into captivity of the Babylonians. So Daniel's a part of this. He gets brought into captivity, but he's so handsome and young and wise that the king himself asked him to serve in his home. And when he first came in, he was like, the king Nebuchadnezzar was like, hey, here, see all this amazing food. See all this amazing wine. See the royal, the royal stuff I have here. You can have any of this. But what I love about Daniel, it says this, Daniel resolved in Daniel 1.8 not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself. So here Daniel is, he's taken into captivity, but he's living as a free man because he's serving God. Because he's serving God and he has resolved in his heart that he will be occupied by the things of God, not by the things of the world. The New King James Version says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. So if we can purpose in our heart that we are gonna live for God, I've been set free from that thing. I'm gonna decide in my heart, purpose in my heart that whatever tries to come back to torment me will have no space, no attention, no energy, no time, not today, devil. Not today, devil. Let's be people who despite our circumstances, we have decided. We've decided that we will have the Holy Spirit occupy those spaces. Because if we don't, we become double-minded. And it's not a good thing. James 1.8 says this, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. The NLT version says their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. But I love how Daniel maintains stability, maintains a relationship with God, has a hedge of protection around him, even though he's under evil reign, he still is able to live as a physically taken captive man, but live free because he's decided, because he resolved in his heart and he's not double-minded. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to occupy every part of us. And most importantly, the area of what we think about. 
I would say a lot of us get ourselves into trouble by letting our thoughts run crazy. Hi, babe. How's Kids Church? <laughs> Tough. <laughs> Did they pray for you? Okay, good. But like I said, because my husband and I, so wait a minute. I, was this our 18-year wedding anniversary or 17? Someone just told me that it was 17. I'm offended. Fine. Anyways. Never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Hello. 18 just sounds more round and better. <laughs> okay. So I want to do, at the end of this message, we're actually going to, um, my husband, I'm going to invite my husband up and we're going to pray for marriages because we have decided, we have resolved in our hearts, even though things, I've, even though one time I threw a shoe at his head and it landed in the wall and we had some crazy fights and even though one time I said, I'm leaving you forever and I never want to see your face again. No, despite all that, because we have decided in our heart, we have committed to one another, committed to God that come hell or high water, we are gonna break this generational curse of divorce. And now, as God would have it, we get the honor and privilege of running marriage getaway. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you're so hilarious. That's just how God works sometimes. But we're gonna pray, and we're gonna pray for married couples because we're gonna break that curse of divorce. But our job is to stay occupied with the things of God. And sometimes we what we actually have to do is confront our old patterns and mindsets that come creeping back in. See, little, like demons sometimes just show up as thoughts. You're like, oh, I thought I was gonna see something really scary. Well, actually, I just thought something really scary. So let's rebuke the demon in the way of our thoughts. Because a lot of times the world will, will think something is normal. And I just wanna, just a couple little examples, because there's a lot of things that, that seems like the world is like, oh, that's just normal now. Like, that's just how it is. No, it's not. Our job is to recognize what's not, not normal and stand for the things that are godly. So sadness, like sadness, okay, that's fine to be sad for a moment, but God doesn't want us to live sad. Anxiousness, okay, fine. If you have an anxious moment over something, we all have before, but that's not the plan, the destiny, and the purpose to live that way. Being indifferent and complacent, like, well, I don't really care. Whatever's gonna happen will happen. That's not a way that God wants us to live. Being a victim to our circumstances is not a way that God wants us to live. These are all little things that the world kind of says, that's okay, that's all right, that's just normal. And the biggest one is living in offense. When we live in offense and then you just have someone right there saying, yes, that, that, I'm going to amen that, yeah, that was very wrong. If we, if we succumb to the enemy's plans in the area of offense, it's going to eat every little bit of fruit that God's trying to create in your life. Because the truth is, your leader, your pastor, your friend, they're not always gonna get it right. We aren't always gonna get it right because we live in a world, a fallen world with other humans. And so guess what? Your leader, your pastor, your friend is a human just like you are. And our job is when the event offense happens because the Bible says that it will happen so we don't have to sit around and ask, I wonder if I'll ever get offended. Promise you will. If you stick around here for more than a few days, you'll probably find something you get offended about. And my husband and I have had many opportunities in 18 years to get offended. Many, like with each other, with friends, with leaders, with pastors, plenty of opportunity. 
But my husband said to me one time, he said, babe, our job is to keep our hearts right. Our job is to keep our hearts right. And that is the job of every believer, every Christian, because the enemy uses offense and isolation to come in and cause division. Because when, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And guess what? God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. But we need to stay in unity. And the key to that is making sure our hearts are right and dealing with the offenses the appropriate way. All right. Amen. That's number one. Keep your heart occupied with the Holy Spirit and keep your time occupied with the things of God. Number two. What's the next thing? This, these pesky little demons come back to find this house swept clean. Swept clean versus messy. I'm like, God, this is so interesting. I thought, like, we we're supposed to get all cleaned up as Christians and, like, everything's great now. But the best way I could explain it, and God showed me this, is my daughter came running to me a few months back and she's like, Mom, 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 my tooth cap's falling out. So she had a cavity and then we put a cap on it and the cap was falling out because her tooth underneath was growing and the cap was coming off. And I'm like, okay, let me look. So I look in there. And sure enough, the cap is hanging on by a thread, and then underneath is like the most disgusting, old food, grime, yuck, gross, smelly, ew, it was bad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so gross. We need to get this cleaned up. But how many of us do that in our own lives? How many of us are like, I have this mess over here, and I'm just going to put a cap on it, or I'm just going to put a mask on it, or I'm just going to hide it. I'm going to go clean up my house, and all the main area spaces are going to look really good. But then when you open that closet, all the mess falls out. How many of us have these types of lives where we're like, I know I have a mess back there. I know I have stuff to figure out but I just want to make sure nobody knows about it because I don't want to get judged or held back and I really want to be able to do this. They're not going to let me do this if I say that, if I let them in this area of my life. We need to do a real big heart check because if we cover our mess up and we are not vulnerable with it to the right people, the enemy has territory. Automatically. Automatically. The enemy comes back with his little friends and he can get in there when we're just look, our house looks so swept and clean. Our house looks so perfect. That's when the enemy has a playground. And how many of you know fighting the, the demonic can be messy? Like fighting the things of evil can get messy. Like it's okay though. And I know this because when I first came to this church, I got saved. And I had no concept of church, church politics, anything really. Like I just got saved, loved Jesus, and came to church. And my husband and I first started dating, and I didn't understand why we couldn't have sex. Now, I don't know what he was thinking, but that was my understanding is this is normal. This is what people do. You go date, and then you hook up, test drive, and then you decide if you want to get married. It was just like what I thought. And so I could tell my husband was tormented by my opinion and knew I was wrong. So we got in a fight about it and we got in a fight and then I went to church and he stayed home and we weren't married yet. We were still just dating, just a few months into dating. And I went to church and Pastor Jurgen's about to get up to preach and I'm like, oh, can I talk to you real quick? And he's like, sure, Kay Ray, what's up? Loving Pastor Jurgen that he is. And I'm like, yeah, um, I just need to tell you that Matt and I had sex. And he's like, oh, Okay, 
Um, I'm going to preach, and then after the service, maybe you can hook up with Pastor Leanne, and you guys can talk about this. I'm like, great, great. No big deal. Great. I wish more Christians would be that way, honestly, because then what happened is the fruit of good discipleship is they sat down with us, and they said, here's why we want to teach you the ways of God. We want to teach you the things of God, and we want to ask that you take four months before your wedding days, four months. We want you to commit to being abstinent. And don't even mess around. Like, don't even put yourself in that situation again for four months. And they're like, we want you to repent. We want you to ask God for forgiveness, which we did. And then they set us up for success. And they said that you're going to have the most blessed marriage if you can do this, if you can do this God's way. And we did that. And we committed to it. 18 years, babe, 18 years. But you know, that was a mess. That was a mess. And they still let us be pastors. I mean, it took a long time. Maybe there was more mess. <laughs> but yeah, there was more mess, trust me. Um, but it, it, matters, it matters what you do with your mess. It matters who you talk to and who you bring it to. If we look at Daniel again, we can see... When he was dealt a situation, the king wanted to literally kill him. Like, he's faced with death. The Bible says the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, being Daniel and his buddies. And uh, men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom intact. Wisdom intact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? See, the enemy was there to bring death, but Daniel knew exactly who to talk to, exactly what to say in order to get God's purpose and God's plan. And so I think it's so important when we have a mess, you know, we, I don't want you walking out in the foyer and start telling everybody all your mess. Like, that is not what I'm saying. You have a leader, you have someone with fruit in their life, and you're like, I like the fruit of their marriage. I like the fruit of their finances. I like the fruit of what I see there. I like the fruit of their parenting. So I'm going to ask and say, I have a problem in this area. Can you help me? And so be very wise and think through who you're going to talk to and what you're going to say before you just start going, here's my mess world. Amen. Amen. All right. Point number three. So if your house is unoccupied, if your house is so clean, and if your house, number three, is put in the order versus having a relationship with God. The question here is, is your religious activity so orderly, so put in order that it takes the place of your relationship with your heavenly father? And this is an easy, slippery slope to get into, like if serving in the, in the church, even tithing in the church, if the things that you are doing is purely to have an outcome, purely trying to say, I did this the right way, I did that the right way, now God, your turn, that's not how God wants us to approach him. Does he want us to do the right things based off our heart after God? Yes. But let's not have an agenda like, hey, God, you know what I did uh, since I gave all this. I was so faithful with my tithing. Now I'm just going to sit here. Where are you, God? No, focus on your relationship with your heavenly father and all that other stuff flows out of it. Let's not get it backwards. 
let's not get our doing the activities, doing the religious activities, doing the communion, doing the serving, doing the praying, all so orderly that we're actually not cultivating a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And this was a really big area that God worked through, worked through me in my life when we were trying to get pregnant. The doctors told us that we could never get pregnant. Um, so, of course, I was like, that's not true. Cancel. And my husband and I went into warfare. But I found myself getting into this cycle of trying to control I was like, I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to eat this perfect diet. I'm going to go see these perfect doctors, almost to the point where it replaced the power of God. And what do you know? I was not able to get pregnant until I was able to release it over to God, release it into the hands of my heavenly father that cared more than I do about getting pregnant. I would cry on my way to these doctor's appointments, bawling my eyes out, like so mad at God, like I've done everything perfect. Even my family says, why is your life like handed to you on a silver platter? Like it looked like I had done everything perfectly right. But what was missing was a trust, trust in a heavenly father that loves me and cared for me and wanted this even more than I did. And so if you're that person, it, this is so easy, like A-type personalities can get so, so sucked up into this because usually we know how to make things happen. But God doesn't care about that. You know that those are gifts from God. Those, those abilities and talents you have to make things happen, those are gifts. God cares about his relationship with you more than he cares about those gifts. Colossians 2.8 says this, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ rather than on Christ. We cannot let anything take the place of Christ. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I can be set free, not so that we can become really good at serving and really good at this and really great at that. Jesus died on the cross so that we can have a relationship with him and be set free. And another thing I'm finding is people are like putting all their eggs in this baskets of like counseling and self-help. And it's like, well, those things are good and helpful, but those things can't cast out a demon. Even your medicine can't cast out a demon. Even your vitamin routine and your workout routine and all those things cannot cast out a demon. It's only in the name of Jesus a demon can be cast out. So yeah, keep working out, keep being faithful, keep eating healthy, keep praying but don't let that take the place of a relationship with your heavenly father. And looking back at Daniel, coming to a close here, is Daniel prospered. And a lot of people who live in the confinements of religion really hate that, really don't like the fact that we tell people that God wants them to prosper. And I love even Pastor Rachel saying like, God doesn't only just wanna bless you in the area of finances. God wants you to prosper in all areas. That doesn't need to be a scary, mean word, like awaken just cares about your prosperity. Well, yeah, but we care about A, your relationship with your heavenly father, which will cause you to prosper. And B, we care about your prosperity in all areas. Where's the fruit? God is, says, judge a tree by its fruit. This is a judge by all the cool things you've ever done 
or judged by how amazingly eloquent your language is or your prayers are so powerful. You can't judge based off those things. But God wants us to prosper and cause to have fruit in our lives. 628 Daniel says he prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Daniel sought prosperity in a city that he was exiled to. How interesting is that? And I liken it to to how we live on planet earth in, in somewhat level of captivity, but we're able to live free, set free by Christ. So we're able to live in a fallen world. We're able to operate. We're able to prosper. We're able to see our cities, our families, and our nation prosper, despite that we're not in heaven yet, where the ultimate prosperity is. And I love that that's what Daniel did. Jeremiah prophesied before this, and Daniel took note, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. How backwards does that sound? Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. We need to pray for our city, pray for our friends. So if it prospers, we prosper. If the hand of God is upon us, the hand of God is upon our cities. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going we're gonna to pray. I didn't warn you, but I'm going to tell you now, as we start to come to a close, that I have asked our ministry team to be ready with anointing oil to be able to anoint every single person in this room. I know. It might take a little while, but it's worth it. Um, because what my husband and I have always done is anytime we notice the enemy's fingerprints on an area of our life that just doesn't seem right, we know it's spiritual warfare, we take oil and we anoint our home. And we just did this like a month ago. Let's go around our home, anoint it with oil. And so I want everyone here to have the opportunity to come down and get anointed with oil. Because as we come into Wednesday night, I want us fully prepared for what God's gonna do. I want us fully ready with a hedge of protection from heaven on us so that the enemy's plans can be squashed, so the enemy does not win, so that the enemy cannot come and torment us in Jesus' name. And so Wednesday night, we are gonna be having a freedom service. And so we're gonna have, you, and you can get set free today. Don't You don't have to wait till Wednesday. That's not what I'm saying. However, it's gonna be very special and I want us to be ready. And so I'm gonna invite my husband up right now. We're gonna pray for marriages since we've been married for 18 years. Hey, you know what guys, the good news is we're gonna make it to 18 years because I prophesied it so much. So. Amen. Good job, babe. You're beautiful. Come on. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.